everyone. Um, welcome to our next episode of Podcasts. Mostly talking about our relationship with our parents. And we're going to start off with doing some brief introductions. I guess I'll start off since I'm ready. <laughs> um, I'm Jalissa. Uh, another, I forgot to say this. We're all UTA students. So, uh, and we are all part of the CAPS Ambassador Program. So we all um, have our reasons. I will share in a second. But personally, it's, for me, I decided to be a, a CAPS Ambassador, which is like a counseling and psychological services program where we just help with mental health outreaches and things like that. Um, but I chose to be part of this because I am very passionate about um, healthcare in general, especially with focus on emotional well-being. So I felt like this would be a great community to surround myself with to help make an impact on these uh, populations. Um, but yeah, so how about Reza? <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hi guys, um, I don't know if you remember me. I, I'm gonna hope there's at least one person who listened to us in previous seasons and I was listening now. So if you did, I'm Reza, the same Reza. And um, yeah, so just for the sake of completeness, uh, this is going to be my last semester as part of CAPS Ambassador. And I started because I figured I could not relate to people who were suffering from mental health and I didn't really understand them. So I happened not to be empathetic while trying to be empathetic and it kind of was tough. Uh, I don't think I still know them very well, but maybe I know them a bit better. So. It's been a whole journey to try to learn that language to communicate and um, because it's I mean I not chronically but situationally I also go through stuff like any other human it's just good to be able to connect beyond just certain levels hello everyone uh, my name's Haley uh, this is my second semester as a CAPS ambassador um, and I joined the program mainly because I wanted to be surrounded by other students who are passionate about mental health um, I think that's a really good community for me as well, like Jalissa was saying. Um, in addition, I really liked um, being able to connect with um, our staff in the CAPS uh, program. They're great mentors, and I think that um, as a future professional in the mental health field, um, I really wanted to have that um, look into uh, what it's like to be a mental health professional, um, especially um, in terms of mentoring students. So, yeah. That's me. Hi, my name is Brittany. Um, I joined the CAPS Ambassadors because I've always been interested in mental health um, ever since high school. And so just being a part of a um, program that brings awareness to mental health, especially with college students, I think that's really important. And it also goes along with my career, my career goals. Um, I do want to work in the higher education setting as a social worker. So I thought it would give, you know, give me a good opportunity to be um, among students and working with that particular um, service. Uh, Daniel? Um, hello, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm sure some of you guys remember me. Uh, this is my fifth semester, I believe, as a CAPS ambassador, so it's been a while. Um, I joined the CAPS program mostly because mental health and things to that nature have always been prevalent in my life with family and friends. And so it's just something that I've wanted to learn more about for myself and for the people around me. And um, I just want to help people. 
it's something people struggle with even asking for help. So if I can be there to help even one person, I think that find that as a success. Yeah, so now I guess we'll kind of transition into our uh, topic today. Um, so we're going to start off with just a brief question while we will all elaborate on. So how has your relationship with your parents changed over time and how is it now? Daniel, what do you think? It's definitely been a struggle uh, bettering my relationship with my parents. Uh, growing up, it wasn't the best. And it's not to either our own faults. Um, my parents were struggling financially. You know, they're immigrants coming to a new country. And so they've it just been, the relationship's always been strained. Um, it's gotten better over the past couple of years, especially after I moved out. And so I'm able to, like, come and go whenever I feel comfortable with them. Um, it's not to the lack of trying. It's just that, like, how they grew up and things like that, in my opinion. So it's it's been a struggle. But I feel like with time, it can definitely get better. Um, but it's the waiting, you know, it's like frustrating the really how the relationship is now because I want it to be better. And so but it's I think it's getting better and it's just hard to go through something like that. Yeah, I completely understand you. Honestly, I also come from like uh, immigrant parent household as well. So the way their, up their upbringing is completely different from ours. You know, there's I think is more rooted on like trying to survive, you know, whereas ours is like. I think we have more resources to kind of think about things differently. Um, yeah, I, I definitely understand what you mean. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Haley? So personally, my relationship with my parents, um, especially in my childhood, was not great. Um, you know, coming from also a low-income household um, in a household that struggled, um, you know, with substance abuse and also domestic violence. Um, you know, the, there's a lot there. Uh, to deal with and navigate, especially as a child. Um, and, you know, having these problems in my household that were very prevalent, um, my parents really just didn't have a lot of time or energy con to contribute um, to building a relationship with me either. And as a child, trying to survive through those circumstances, I don't think um, I had that on my end either. But I will agree with Daniel. Um, when I moved out of my household and kind of got to separate myself from um, those, you know, circumstances, it became a lot easier for me to um, see my parents in a different light, to see their circumstances and to see why, um, you know, some of those things were prevalent in my life um, and to separate uh, the circumstances from my parents. Um, and instead of attributing them to the, the to themselves, um, I could attribute it more to the situation and their circumstances as well. Um, and I think that really helped me. But I will say it's still uh, rough and we're still trying. Um, but yeah, I think that's the most impo important part for me is that, um, you know, we're, we're both still trying on both ends to, to make things better. Yeah. I think, thank you for sharing that. And I do think it's great that, um, that there's communication on both ends to where like there's effort being put in at least at this point <laughs> in time. And, um, what do you think, Brittany? I'm growing up. Um, I can say I've had a close relationship with my mom, but I think it really got closer as I got older now. Um, I did grow up in a single parent household, so it was just me, her, and my sister most, most of the time. Um, I did have a relationship with my father, but it wasn't like, you know, the father-daughter relationship that's uh, portrayed on TV, um, very close and things like that. Um, we never really 
were able to, I guess, reconnect because he did pass away like four years ago. Um, so I wasn't able to, um, you know, change that dynamic between us. But as far as my mom, I feel like, you know, me and her are closer than ever because I can really um, talk to her whenever I need to um, and things like that. Like at this point, now that I'm old enough, I understand her situation and how that affected me. So it like makes me appreciate her more. And so like we just talk about those things a lot more in depth. So, yeah. It's really nice to hear um, how close you two are, though, <laughs> I will say. Um, and what's your thoughts, Reza? Um, similar to Julissa and Daniel, I, my parents are not immigrants. They're still in Iran, but I was in Iran when I was growing up during my teenage years and I was living with them until I was 18. And the reason I moved out was because I got accepted in a school that was further away. So I had to go to another city still in Iran. I remember even though in undergrad, I was in another city in Iran. Whenever I came back, I still felt a little bit like suffocated because I did, couldn't have space. Like I couldn't close the door and be myself. My dad would always like say, hey, Reza, where did you close the door? Like he always wanted me in his eyes, like somewhere out there in front. And over time it became a burden because I couldn't just, if it wasn't night, nighttime, I couldn't just go lay in my bed. I could, but it was always stressful, like as if I'm doing something wrong. If this little thing, um, and this was part of it, I don't know, when I was driving and my dad was in the car, he was very controlling in terms of how I drive. Of course, he wanted to be protective. I understand the positive um, intention behind it. But sometimes that comes off a bit condescending too. So there was more friction because I have spending more time with them. Um, but over time, it got better. And it got better, especially when I moved out to another city. But I still had it. But since I came to the US um, since 2016, of course, I don't get to see them. So <laughs> there's kind of just virtual communication. But aside from the lack of space that I had overall, I was really um, lucky to be like in a decent household in terms of I didn't have to go through many traumas or um, big troubles. It was it was and it is a close relationship still. Thank you for sharing. I definitely uh, can relate to the uh, controlling aspect of uh, parents. <laughs> um, I'll just elaborate real quick on mine. Um, I will say younger me, uh, well, my parents were still together at that time. So um, it was kind of uh, like my dad was a very uh, strict type of person, uh, do good in school, don't focus on anything else kind of thing. And my mom was a polar opposite. <laughs> so I felt like I had that balance in my life. But then, um, like I said, it was very a controlling environment. It was just, I don't know. But then they eventually they divorced. So I feel like having that kind of space between like the time that I get to spend with each of them was kind of helpful for me to like, you know, because like y'all were saying, uh, less time with them, you know, kind of helps better that relationship, like that space. Um, so having that space here and there has really helped. And obviously I'm older now, so it's a lot. I think that's also the reason why it's a lot better now. I guess they have more trust in me or something. Um, but yeah, it's better now, I guess. But there is limitations. Like at this point in time, I can't move out yet, but I do think that when I do, it'll be 
a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah. So you said your relationship with your parents became better once they got divorced? Yeah, yeah. That too, I guess, because there wasn't that huge, um, what's it called? <laughs> like, just that whole situation in general is very uh, stressful. <laughs> just. personally like I agree like in case those cases in the end like it's so much more beneficial for two people who are so very unhappy and creating a toxic environment to just separate and, you know go on live their own lives <laughs> or something. but yeah I know when you have kids you have to consider that um and Brittany did you want to share something I'll let Haley go first because she had her hand raised before me yeah, I was just going to kind of elaborate on that from my own personal experience with my parents being divorced as well. Uh, my situation's a little unique in that way, but my parents divorced uh, specifically because my dad was dealing with a substance abuse disorder. Um, and so he was um, removed from the household and my parents divorced. Um, but we still saw my dad um, whenever we could and, um, you know, that sort of situation. But now, um, you know, after my dad went to rehab and got clean, um, when I was about 16, uh, he came home to live with us right out of right out of rehab. Um, and although my parents were divorced, uh, my dad continued to live with us um, for the next four years of my life until I graduated um, high school. And actually, last month, my parents got remarried. Um, so my parents have been married, separated, um, divorced, have lived together, although they're divorced, and are now remarried at um, my age of 21. So I've had a lot of experience with my parents being divorced, being separated, being together, even though they were creating a toxic household um, and the likes. So I can definitely say that there were times um, in which my parents were together and I wish they would separate again, or I wished, um, you know, they, they just weren't, would, wouldn't be in the same household with me and my younger sibling, because um, I can definitely say that when they were together and things were very, you know, charged or they were um, angry at each other or whatever, it created such a toxic environment that I noticed the shift when one of them left or with, when one of them was removed from the household. Um, so I can definitely say that I think sometimes the the stigma that, that parents feel to um, stay together for their kids can sometimes um, end up being a little bit um, wrong, I guess you can say because they might be staying together for their kids, but also putting their kids through more um, just by being together and putting their kids in a worse situation um, to where they have to see, um, you know, more more fighting and more, you know, sometimes even violence and things like that um, by not separating. So I can definitely agree that, you know, every situation is different. I want to say that too. Um, but I think that if parents were more cognizant of that, um, they would be happier and then in turn, you know, that kind of trickles down to their children. So I can definitely relate. Uh, you can go ahead, Brittany. I know you were wanting to share. Um, just elaborating on talking about how parents, you know, if the relationship's not <clears throat> working out together, you know, and better help for the kids. It just has me thinking, like, when I was younger, my parents were together for, like, a short period of time. They were never married or anything like that. Um, 
but we, I remember we were living together at one point and um, they, you know, they stopped living together or whatever, but it was still a toxic environment because of the exchange of like the kids going to this household and then going to the other household. Um, just the communication between the two parents was still very toxic. And so like being a child in the middle of that, you know, I was still, you know, experiencing that um, until my freshman year of college, honestly. Um, and the older I got, I started to see how that affected me in a way and like how that kind of shifted my thought on how I feel toward, you know, that side of the family. Um, and so I can't say like, like you said, um, it's just different. Every situation is different, but I think sometimes also there are moments where even though the parents are separated, still, um, some children still are in that toxic environment and, some parents use the kids as a way to communicate with the other parent, you know, what they want. And that causes a lot of distancing and stuff like that. So. I think you both bring up such important points all together. And I do want to um, elaborate a bit on how you said um, how sometimes these parent relationships, like they kind of force you to be in the middle of it. Like, and, and you're a child right? You're a child at this point in time, but they're putting all of this on you, then they're making you kind of be their therapist in a way, if that makes sense. But, and, you know, at the time, like, you don't realize it, but when you're older, it's like, that's really unfair that they put you in that kind of situation, because um, uh, it just kind of impacts maybe, like, people-pleasing tendencies as you are older, things like that. Um, the, uh, Haley, did you have your hand, please? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that I agree um, that especially, you know, even especially when parents are separated, um, you know, children can end up in the middle um, and kind of be used as a middleman for those parents that aren't wanting to communicate with one another that or that are mad um, at one another. But I think that it's important to highlight that even when parents aren't separated and they're living in the same household, they can use their children as middlemen um, and they can use their children to communicate with one another um, in a negative way, or they can include their children in these conversations. Uh, from my personal experience, I was always included in my parents' very toxic um, fights. So they would always bring me into it um, and try to have me side with one of them in order to gain leverage over the other person. Um, and so I think that it's important to highlight that this can happen even if your parents are still together and living under the same roof and married or just together. Um, you know, the way that parents use their children um, to communicate with one another, it, it can be, um, you know, at times really difficult for the child and can, I think, lead to a lot of different, um, you know, issues in the child, whether that be, you know, an insecure. I, yeah, there's so many great points. And I will say um, it is helpful for me to kind of understand that these dynamics also happen when your parents are separated. I guess that's honestly something I never thought about um, as much. So, yeah, your perspectives are helpful. Um, would anyone like to add anything before we transition? Okay. Um, so I kind of wanted to take this time to elaborate a little bit on attachment styles. Um, 
uh, everyone here is pretty much familiar with the mainland, right? Okay. Um, so I'll elaborate on secure attachment styles and then um, I'll probably pass it on to somebody for the next one. Is that good? <laughs> okay. So just to kind of, uh, I just disclaimer, uh, we are not professionals, but uh, we did get a lot of this information from reliable sources. So we just think it's important to kind of share this information um, on this platform. So I'm sure all of us have heard of maybe a secure attachment style. Um, this is basically referring to like uh, one's ability to form loving, secure relationships with other people. Um, these types of individuals uh, can usually trust other people and be trusted by others, and they're not afraid to accept love or receive it from other other people. And they generally they genuinely have a pretty easy time like forming um, like close connections with others. Uh, so this is just very like very secure. They're not afraid of intimacy. Uh, they don't feel panicked about you know being dependent on other people or anything like that. Like they, I mean, we have human needs, of course, but generally they're pretty independent, even in partnerships. Um, and these types of attachments, so attachment styles are usually formed really, really, really early in our lives. Um, since our, our parents are typically the first people that we form uh, close connections, close relationships with. Um, so naturally, they will impact kind of our how we see relationships in a way um, and how we navigate those as adults and things like that. Um, so yeah, so attachment styles are determined by how the primary caregiver responds to their child's cues whenever they are going through periods of stress, um, whatever that may look like. So for secure attachment style, individuals, um, their parents, typically when they were babies, um, they were pretty responsive and attuned to the, this child's needs, um, very emotionally aware, and just pretty much always on it as um, as a child. So, uh, Haley, would you like to elaborate on the next one? Of course. Um, so the next one we're going to discuss, besides secure, um, is the ancient anxious attachment style. Um, so this kind of attachment style uh, is usually, you know, the result of a caregiver that's not very consistent um, when caring for their child. Uh, they're usually unpredictable with the amount of love or affection they give to their child. So one day they might um, be very, um, you know, attuned to their child's needs, um, picking the child up, holding it most of the day, um, and getting the child used to this level of affection. And then the next, um, they're just gone, you know, they're, you know, maybe not holding their child as much. They're not, um, you know, picking the child up when it's crying. They're not um, paying very much attention to the child. And this back and forth um, and this, you know, unpredictable um, nature of the caregiver usually um, will result in an ancient attachment style. And this attachment style is usually um, characterized by a really deep seated fear of abandonment um, in children. And, so as adults, as, as they grow up with this ancient attachment style, um, they tend to be very insecure in their relationships. They're often really worried um, that if they're in a partnership, their partner is going to leave them. Um, and in order to avoid that, in order to try and keep their partner with them, um, they're always trying to um, 
keep their partner there. So they might exhibit like what we call clingy or needy um, behaviors. Um, and so again, this is all going to be the result of this ancient attachment style that was formed from a very, very young age um, in that child as a result of the caregiver. Thank you. <clears throat> so, thank you. Um, yeah, it's so important to kind of study these things. Um, Brittany, would you, are you able to elaborate on avoidant attachment style? Okay, so um, the avoidant uh, attachment styles pretty much focus on how caregivers are not responsive um, with their children and they are also very dismissive and distanced. Um, with this type of style, people with avoidant style can tend to be very, it causes some struggles with getting closer to people or trusting others in relationships and the feeling of being, being in a relationship is really suffocating to them and they try to avoid that at all costs. Um, it also talks about how resulting in child, uh, the results into the child believing that their needs uh, won't be met if they are, you know, if the parent is ex exhibiting this type of style as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And then I just briefly mentioned this fearful, oh, there's also fearful avoidant attachment style, which is basically just a combination of fearful avoidant um, <clears throat> and like anxious attachment style. Um, it's just the difference here is these children typically uh, have caregivers in their primitive years who are frightening or traumatizing in some way. So it kind of leads to some confusion in the child because the child wants to experience like, well, okay, so they, they experience a deep, like they have fear towards his parent and they don't trust them, but they also have this, you know, uh, desire, this urge to have a close relationship with them just by human nature. So um, as adults, usually it'll translate into them being reluctant to um, have develop these close relationships um, even though deep down they actually want to have them. So yeah, that's interesting. But another thing I want to point out is that um, attachment styles can also change throughout our lives based on the relationships that we end up having throughout our adulthood. Um, so for example, as a child, you could have, let's say, a secure attachment, but let's say something else happens later on, um, somebody, hurts you in some way emotionally um, that could definitely lead to a different kind of develop, developing like an insecure attachment or something like that um, but yeah just thought that was important to include um, but we're gonna go ahead and transition to more questions type of thing so first one will be um, are your parents your friends and should they be <laughs> um, so Haley would you like to elaborate on this I feel like this question really hits home for me because personally, um, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but um, I have a pretty like distant relationship with my dad, seeing as he was kind of in and out of the household my entire life. Um, but my mother was always very consistent and constant. Um, although she might not have been attending to my needs all the time, she was always there. Um, and it was usually in the form of a friend. So my mom has always described me as her sister or her best friend and not her child. Um, and that has very much been a constant th theme throughout my life personally. And so um, in my opinion, uh, my parents are very much my friends. My dad is a, a distant friend, a friend that only comes around every couple months, says hi, says bye. 
um, and leaves, but my mother um, has always been very much just a present best friend that wants to share everything with you all the time. Um, and so in my opinion, um, coming from a situation and a, rela a relationship with my parents in which I was really just a friend or a confidant, um, I think that this can be super, super toxic to children if they're raised um, to be their parents' friends and their parents' confidants and not their parents' you know, children. Um, so I think, I, I do think that in, um, you know, a secure household and a household that has healthy dynamics, it can be important for a parent to be a friend and a parent and to serve in both roles. Um, but I think that there is a very finite, finite line between being a parent and being a friend. And I feel like you should ultimately try to do both, but keep grounding yourself and bringing yourself back to the fact that you are, um, you know, someone's parent and that responsibility does rest on your shoulders. But at the same time, you don't want to be overbearing with your child and not be their friend at all and not be able to level with them at all. Um, so I think I can see um, various aspects of it just coming from my personal experience. Um, but for me, I definitely think it would have been uh, a lot better for my parents to act more as parents and less as friends. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. <laughs> um, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And uh, Brittany, did you want to add something? Yes, I'm sorry. It takes me a minute to press my mic button. But um, just to talk about friends and parents, that's just a, a relationship that never crossed because growing up, friendships in my household was like, as with your parents, is not that's not something we are. I'm your mom. That's basically what how my mom always said so. Um, said that to us, like, I'm not one of your little friends. And that still holds relevant uh, to this day. Um, I think for me personally, it was just a balance of that support. Like, I can talk to my mom about things, you know, as you will with friends, but understanding that's still my mom. And there are boundaries that I don't want to cross as a respect thing. Um, and, and I've seen where parents, have just been you know mostly friends with their with their children and I've seen how that dynamic kind of like it's not the best but you know that works for them you know I just need know personally for me that's just not something I would want to cross you know even at my age now that's I still respect my mom as my mom um there's just you know boundaries that are set in place in our relationship um because there's some things I can't do with my mom that I would do with my friends you know that would make me feel kind of weird like, I don't want to, you know, and so she also puts a stop to that, too. She's like, oh, no, you're not doing that in front of me. Like, we're not doing that. And so she just also just lets us know that, like, no, I'm not your friend. I'm your mom. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm really glad you shared, like, that perspective of it, too. Uh, Brezza, what, what, what are your thoughts? Before that, I think it's, it makes for context. You guys, if you feel comfortable, say the name, the age of your parents, because my mom is so i'm 28 my mom is 48 so when i was going to elementary school let's say it was seven eight my mom was 27 28 which is young right <laughs> so people thought she's my sister uh, aligned with haley's i don't know how how old her mom is and i loved it i remember when i was a little boy i always wanted to have children when i was 25 because i love being close in, in age with my children it didn't happen, <laughs> but um, I don't know. My parents, I, I wouldn't say my parents are my friends. 
neither of them. But I still feel comfortable at least. There are different levels of comfort. I'm not as comfortable as with a friend, but I'm not scared of them either. Like I always tell them the truth no matter what, but they're not my friends. And I don't know. It's great to hear all of you guys have different perspectives and experiences. Um, so for me, it's something in between, but it's definitely not friends. And I'm not sure what's the best. Um, I want to hear how others feel about this. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, and I, I, I do understand that as well. I will say, um, I feel like they also had a like, balance in a different way. Um, like with my mom, I definitely like like Haley was saying. I definitely just see her as like a friend kind of thing. Or mostly like she like whenever we go out places, like people think we're sisters and stuff. It's weird. <laughs> it's not weird, but. I hope that gives a better picture of it. Like, <laughs> um, and we're always like, I think of like whenever I describe her to other people, I describe her as like, oh, she's more like a friend, like a mom. But, you know, looking back at it, like I do, I will say I kind of wish that I could see her as more of a mother. Um, like I do wish I had like that motherly bond with her, um, but I just don't. <laughs> Um, so I will say there's downsides to that as well. It's like, I think you have your friends for that reason, right? Like, but your parent is supposed to serve a different role in your life usually. Um, but you know, my dad is again, polar opposite. Like I definitely see him as like more of like a father figure kind of like authority wise. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how my dynamic was. Um, Haley, did you want to share something? Uh, I was just going to hit on what Reza was talking about in terms of our parents' ages, um, because my parents had me at 20. They were 20 years old when they had me, both of them. And so my parents were always so much younger than the people around me, than the kids around me. Their parents were always much older. Um, and so for me, I feel like that played such a significant role in the relationship that my parents developed with me and how they raised me. Um, because really they were children as well when they had me. They were still going through very, um, you know, childlike situations in their own partnership. And so when they had children, I really don't think they were ready for that. And I think that played such a huge role um, in, in my life and in the way that they tried to raise me. And I think this is something that, again, I was really able to um, see once I got out of the household once I, once I was able to look at my parents situation as a 20 year old and think like if I had a child right now would I be able to competently raise that child and my very very strong answer is absolutely not um, I'm absolutely not ready to raise a child and if I had to um, you know I, I try to think like could I do better than my parents and I have you know I would like to think that I could do better than my parents but you don't know until you're in that situation um, and I think and I feel like that gave me a lot of um, insight and kind of humbled me in a way. Um, of course, it doesn't excuse anything that my parents did or the way that they raised me, um, but it gave me some insight um, into maybe kind of why things happened the way they did in my household. Um, and I think, yeah, the age of your parents is really something to highlight because I think that can play a major role um, in the differences um, with our relationship with our parents. I'm curious, Jalissa, I know you said that your mom also kind of serves as a friend to you. Is she pretty close in age? I mean, not close in age, but is she relatively younger 
um, or a little bit older. And you don't have to share if you don't want to, but it was on my mind. No, yeah, that's a good question. And it, it does relate to, yeah, she's actually pretty young. She was like 22, I think, when she had me. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Like that definitely has, that definitely impacts, you know, that parent-child uh, relationship there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say it's still has a lot of progress to go, but yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to add something, um, to what you were saying, um, oh my gosh, you know what, it slipped my mind, but I'm gonna come back to it. Uh, and Brittany, did you want to share something? And it's interesting that y'all mentioned your parents' age, because uh, my mom had me at 24. So she was in her early 20s, well, mid 20s, but the way the household was read, you would think she was like in her 30s and 40s, because she was not, for someone who had to really, she was a young mom, she, it was just, she was a teenage mom, so like, she had to grow up significantly. And the result of that is how the household was ran. I would have thought my mom was like really older than what she was. And because I didn't, my mom was not acting, you know, still in her young adult life. Like she would had to carry on the responsibilities, you know, being a single mom. So she had to do what she needed to do. And um, I, so it's just really interesting to know that Cause when I was 24, I knew I wasn't ready to have no kids. Like I was like, mm -mm. and I'm 28 now. So it just it, like, it crosses my mind sometimes when I think about how old she was when she had kids. And I was like, dang, when I was her age, I was not mentally, financially prepared. Um, and so even though it was a struggle, you know, being a low income, she never really made it seem like it was, you know, detrimental, but it's just interesting how her mindset had to really mature at a young age. And um, yeah, at 24, it's you would have thought she was older the way she acted. Because <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I I know it's it's weird to think about because now we are all in our 20s, <laughs> but we can look back at it now and be like, uh, are we really ready to raise a child? Because there's so much more than just having kids, like to that process, and you also have to educate them, make sure they're gonna become healthy, productive adults in society. It's just, it's a lot. And I don't think they really think about it like that. And of course, there's also a lot of other factors that go into it, such as like, you know, access to certain education on that kind of thing, or like access to healthcare, a lot of different things go into it. So, but yeah, um, that was very, very great uh, responses. And we'll go ahead and start. I have another question. So it's, what challenges do you have in connecting with your parents now? So right now, I would say kind of adding to what I mentioned earlier, um, I have, with my mother at least, I don't, well, no, never mind. Never mind. Okay, with my dad, um, <laughs> um, he's definitely not somebody that I can tell everything to because if I do, he will get upset, for example. Um, let's say I want to go to a concert, you would probably get upset over that. <laughs> um, so I think there's certain times where it's just like, for me at least, it's just beneficial that I avoid conflict in that way because it's not worth like getting into it about something like that because at the end of the day, like he more than likely will not understand my perspective on it and it's just not worth it to me like to get into it. <laughs> um, that's kind of my challenge with that. 
but with my mom, I guess I would just say like, like I said, um, just kind of having like that connect as a mother rather as opposed to a friend, because uh, part of me wishes I could connect with her like as like a mother kind of thing. Like I want to tell her like, hey, like this is what's going on in my life. What do you think? <laughs> and then have like some good like kind of connection there to talk about it. I would say that's kind of my main thing. Um, what about yours, Reza? Well, there are diff. Which one to pick? So one thing. Let's say something happens in my. I think it's the friend part. I think that's that's now that I think I think that's a little bit of friend part is missing because, you know, sometimes something you just said you thought that has something to do with the motherhood. You want to talk about something happen? Oh no, you want you want feedback from them, as a from from mother's point of view. For me, I don't necessarily want feedback. I want them to listen to me like a friend does. But she listens, but it's not active listening unless it's a it's unless it's like a major thing in my life. It's a major thing. No, she's on it. Like the, she goes into mother mood and like <laughs> she's on it. But if it's like I want just hey like I don't know something about my work or something about podcasts hey like today i had this podcast she'd be like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like she doesn't connect with the things that i value as much necessarily and when i say she this is actually maybe to some different on the con depending on the context it could be for my dad or my mom um so at the, as a result sometimes i don't even share certain things with them certain details of my day which i would to a friend i don't because i don't think they connect with it as much um so i would say that's one of the one of the things that I find it a bit difficult these days, not to share things that I would like to share. I completely understand that as well. I'm so glad you like mentioned that. That's such a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I, like for example, I don't know if you also had a similar experience, but like, let's say you do share something with them, and like you said, not very actively listening to you, like mm, that, like just like that feeling that comes with it, like hey, I wanted to share this with you, and like you, it doesn't appear that you care about it like it just it kind of like makes you feel I don't know <laughs> kind of hurt a little bit to where you don't want to like express like share more details like you were saying because like they're not gonna listen the you know yeah I, I get it I get it it's always the most summarized version the one I tell them <laughs> yeah exactly or even like I will say I don't know if y'all have a similar experience but um, like a lot of the things that I'm doing right now for like, like I, like I want to be a doctor and like a lot of stuff that goes into that, like my parents don't even understand it, nor do they want to like learn about it. <laughs> so like a lot of things that like, let's say I want to publish something like they don't even like, like, let's say I tell them that they don't really like care or like understand like what that means. So it's like, oh, but I want to share this with you. But I like, you don't understand what it means. And I don't know. That's definitely a big challenge for me because I want them to like understand the importance of what I'm doing even though it's for me anyway but still you know uh Haley did you like uh would you like to elaborate yes because I feel that on so many levels um for me personally I'm wanting to also get a PhD um in clinical psychology and when I say this to my parents obviously they have no idea like, because they, not obviously, it's not obvious to you guys, but it's very obvious to me, um, because they, neither one of them are college educated, right? Neither one of them got the chance to go to college. Like I said, they had me at 20. 
Um, so it was time to get a job and start trying to provide for the baby that was going to come. Um, but I, I totally can connect on that level with you because there will be so many milestones that, you know, are happening, especially in my college education right now, um, being a year out from graduation and trying to think about where I'm going to apply to graduate school, trying to make all of these very big decisions, um, you know, making it into different roles. Um, like I'm, I'm a McNair scholar and that, you know, acceptance just came a few months ago and, you know, it was a really big milestone for me and something I was really excited about. And I tried to explain it to my parents and they got to come to a McNair scholars, like overview that the McNair scholars department was holding, um, like your child got accepted. Here's what it means. And my parents were on a team's call and, you know, at first for like the first five minutes of the introduction, they had their cameras on together they were on this team's call and I just saw their cameras go off like five minutes into it. Um, and I just knew that they weren't listening anymore. They wanted to show up for the first five minutes and they wanted to hear, um, you know, the accomplishment and be proud of it in their own way. And then they wanted to sign off because they just aren't interested um, in knowing any more than kind of they have to. They want to be proud of me for something that I'm doing, but they don't really want to understand it fully. Um, and so that's something I'm navigating definitely in my college career with my parents and with that relationship with them. Um, and it's been very difficult. So I can definitely level with you. And I think that is something personally that's kind of holding our relationship back as well. Um, and it's hard because you have to take in um, the fact and consider the fact that most of our parents weren't able to go to college, especially, you know, Jalissa, you said that your parents didn't go to college either, right? Yeah, so I feel like that that kind of plays a big role um, in the way this translates. And it's something, you know, that I've been trying to take into consideration and understand um, from my own perspective as well. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. And that's such a good point because like in, <laughs> um, you definitely had to, or for me at least, like I try, like it does kind of like hurt my feelings sometimes, but at the same time, I try not to take it too personally if I can, because like you said, like they didn't, they, they didn't have the opportunities that we have, so they don't completely understand the impact of them in the same way. Um, but yeah, I, uh, but on to be honest with you, I guess I've never actually sat down with them and had that conversation either. Like, hey, like this, this is something I care about and I want you to put effort in. So, you know, maybe I could do more. I don't know. <laughs> um, and Brittany, did you want to share something about this? Um, I think for me, the challenges I do have in connecting with my mom is pretty much um, on the lines of asking for support or help in um, certain things. There are certain things I don't tell her um, and she is really upset with me when I don't tell her because it could have been avoided had I came to her about it. Um, I think that's really the only thing I really have issues with. And that's something that's on my part, not technically hers. Um, it's just the way I've been brought up, you know, hence that parenting style. Um, so uh, yeah, that's just a challenge that I still struggle with. Um, as far as like asking for help and things like that with her. Yeah, I definitely can understand that as well. <laughs> um, and I, I have a quick question from you guys. Just came to my mind. If you are the scale, if you're the reference, do you think with more generations, parents become better over time? 
and again, better here means better for you based on what you want, based on the your needs that were not met. Do you think you will be a better parent for your children or you think you will be better in what they were not good and probably worse in other aspects? So it's always something. So it's, you know, but overall, like maybe you're more better, a little bit worse. Um, is it going to be linearly progressive over generations or there's no rule? That's a good question. <laughs> and it's honestly like I've thought about that sometimes too because um, I, th I do think like for us, um, I do think maybe like we learn lessons from our parents that we carry with us, but we also learn other things throughout our lives. I do think we would be better parents, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think we have more access to a lot of these resources for like self-growth, self-development, whereas like like our parents more than likely didn't take the time to buy a book on self-growth or something like that or listen to a podcast on it, you know? Like, I mean, if they do, <laughs> that's probably great, but they probably discovered it a little later in life, whereas for us, like we kind of had access to all of that to the internet very young we had all those resources and you know yeah what do you think Haley? i was just about to hit on it i think that you know as we, we we've kind of seen the shift i feel like in my opinion in the last you know even 10 years that mental health has become so much more accessible and the conversations are starting to appear um, everywhere in in the school systems, in more family households, um, we're even seeing it, you know, on a political scale. We're seeing conversations like this happen about mental health, and I think the more conversations we have collectively, um, and then also in our own households um, about mental health, and the more we can consider that, um, the better we're going to parent. I really do believe that. I think that those that are really invested in their own mental health and also are passionate about helping others with their mental health. I think that that is ultimately such a important, such such an important thing to have as a parent um, and to carry with you as a parent. Because if you can attune to your own um, needs and you can understand where you're at, um, you know, in terms of your mental health, then you are a much more prepared um, to be there and to support your child and you're also much more understanding of your child's situation and can level with them even as a parent right so I feel like this can even tie back to our conversation that we had about being a friend um, I don't think it's so much being a friend as it is being understanding of where your child's at um, and being able to listen to them and level with them in a way that's empathetic I think that's a lot of the time what we confuse like our parents being friends um, as it's really just are our parents being empathetic? Are they attending to what we're saying? Are they um, making an effort to understand the things that are going on in our life or that are important to us um, besides just being our parents and taking care of our, our, you know, very physical or financial needs? You hit on so many important points, Haley. <laughs> that is so, so true. Oh yeah, I wanted to add that um, I agree, like, Another reason why um, I think we'll probably be better parents is because, like you said, on a systemic level, like more of these conversations are being talked about and implemented and things like that. Uh, Brittany, did you want to elaborate on this? 
yeah, y'all pretty much touched on a lot of good points, especially like now that the era, the era that we're in and how mental health is, you know, starting to be talked about more. Um, also, too, I kind of find myself even educating, well, not educating, well, informing my mom herself about, you know, mental health, you know, that's something that we talk about more because it's never been a topic that we discuss, you know, in my household. And so just also changing the dynamic now in our families as well, you know, bringing up those conversations if you can, because um, there are certain things that happen in my family, you know, that mental health should be talked about, but it's not. And so just changing it now while it's still here um, and just learning as well, especially when we get older as parents, you know, to continue to still, um, uh, I'm sorry, I just saw, read the chat, but um, just continue to, uh, you know, bring it more, bring awareness to it a lot more uh, within our own families whenever we start to, you know, have our families as well, but also talk about it with your families, like your mom and dad and stuff like that, so. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing your perspective. And, uh, you know, I, I am curious. Um, so what are some ways that have helped you to improve your relationship with your parents? And, and I wanted to add, do you think like it's worth finding ways to improve these relationships? Um, so Brittany, would you like to uh, start us off on this one? <laughs> Um, I think one way um, that can be used to improve your relationship with your parents is pretty much asking your your parents questions about their childhood and learning the trauma and the and the things that they went to. You know, because it kind of makes you um, start to understand them a little bit more. You know, ask them about their parent, um, their relationship with their parents. Your, their, you know, their grand, their grandmas and their, their moms and dads and things like that. Because that's another thing that's something that's not we talked about um like I would ask, you know now I ask my mom about you know her relationship with my grandma because I can see it now how that dynamic looks and it's not the best so just uh, understanding like you know how their relationship is and like how that affected my mom as far as her parenting skills and just trying to like not to continue this generational trauma you know as I start to have kids um it just makes you, you know, learn a lot more about your parents. You know, we just know them as mom and dad, but we don't know who they are as a person, you know, so they're more than that. And I think that's, you know, the first step, you know, if you can. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I also have caught myself doing that too. Like with our family gatherings or things like that, or just having a conversation, like how were you with your parents? How was, how did this play out? You know, and, and like you said, you can see it too. <laughs> and if your parents have siblings too, like your mom has a, like a sister or, or something, you can see like the similarities between that too. It's, it's interesting. I mean, like obviously, but yeah, it, it just shows though how impactful your relationship really is with your parents. Like, and like, who you become as a person. Um, Haley, what are your thoughts? So mine are slightly different. Um, I definitely think that under trying to make the effort to understand what your uh, what parent-child relationships look like generationally throughout your family is really important for you to try to understand. 
um, kind of your own relationship with your parents and then how you can be a better parent yourself and kind of break those generational curses, as we call them. Um, but I also think, and this might be a hot take, I, I also think that when we uh, do come from households where we don't maybe have the best relationship with our parents or we struggle in certain areas with our parent um, relationships, I think that sometimes we understand that we want to have a better relationship with our parents and we are learning about mental health. We're learning about all of these ways that we can, um, you know, connect with our parents in healthy ways, ways that we can, um, you know, improve all of our relationships in, in all areas of our lives. Um, and so we start to kind of try and, you know, at least for me in my early 20s, I'm trying to, you know, recognize where the relationship with my parents um, needs to be stronger, what areas need to be, uh, you know, quote unquote, fixed or improved. But I also think that there is, we have to understand that we can't ultimately make that decision on one side, right? Both sides have to want to improve their relationship. And besides that, aside from that, they both sides also have to want to improve themselves um, and improve the things that, you know, we do day to day um, that translate into that relationship. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes even if we're, you know, one, one side is open to learning and open to, um, you know, improving themselves, if both sides are not open to that, there's really no way that we can collectively improve a relationship, um, in, in my opinion. I think that you have to be open to improving yourself as well. And I think this is something that I've personally struggled with with my parents is that they'll say, you know, that they, um, that they'll, they'll mention that we don't have a great relationship or that I don't reach out often enough. But I've, you know, tried to make attempts to tell my parents things that they do that might not be good for my mental health, um, ways that they communicate with me or include me in their relationship that I'm not comfortable with. And so I try to set that boundary with my parents. Um, and my parents don't know how to respect that boundary. It doesn't, they don't have the tools necessary to understand what a boundary is and respect it, especially with me, because they've never had to do that. And so I think that for me, um, my parents constantly crossing that boundary has led me to understand that, you know, it's not all on me to improve the relationship and they also have to take some steps as well, um, you know, and fix some of their own um, habits that negatively affect me. Um, and until they do that, I can't, force their relationship to be better. Um, no matter how much I might want it, you know, no matter how much the tiny child in me wants that relationship with my parents, um, they, they have to want it too. And not only that, they have to be willing to put in the work that it's going to take to fix it. Um, and I can't internalize that or put all of the pressure on me um, to fix that relationship. And I think that's been such, uh, understanding this has been so freeing for me um personally that is such a, a very very important topic and like message you just said honestly because it's so true like they have to want to, to improve it as well and like i definitely see so like i will say like with my mom like i feel like that's the reason why it hasn't been improving because like from her side like she doesn't have that like desire to like improve herself or our relationship you know so I you know it goes both sides and I think this is this goes for any kind of relationship that you have like friendship or partnership whatever um 
Yeah, that's, that's so important. Um, and Reza, what are you, what are your thoughts? Um, I think I'll just quickly follow up on the boundary aspect that you said. Um, like for my case, my parents are not here, so it's just virtual or messaging and calls. So I, so one of my values as a person is to be a good child. At the same time, I want to be able to my mom, sorry, my dad, one of the issues that my parents had during their marriage was my dad was not able to manage his relationship with his mom against, not against, in cooperation with my mom. So he had to compromise too much for my mom for his mom. Sorry, for, for my mom for his mom, yeah. Basically, he couldn't um, keep the balance of the, the needs of a wife versus the needs of a mom in a marriage. So I grew up so much trouble and arguments between my parents because of that. And as humans do, you want to go to the polar opposite of that. So I promised myself I'm never going to be like that which means I don't want to be extremely attached to my mom. So when I get married, I happen to have the same behavior. I don't know. So I'm very scared of that. Having that in mind, I want to be a good child too, right? So when my mom asks me for certain things to do repetitively, I want to do those things. But at the same time, I also want to show independence, like, like the boundary that you said, like respectfully setting a boundary that, hey, like I can't do it. Like, there are certain things I can help you with, but there are certain things that's not my responsibility. But at the same time, I feel about all the pain my mom went through that when she gave birth to me. Like, it's just mentally hard for me to manage it. Um, but the boundary thing that you said for me is a very powerful um, concept if we can find a way to impose it. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with all of you on, on all of it. <laughs> um, boundaries, boundaries. Um, I also... I just want to add something um, just like about setting realistic expectations. Um, what I mean by that is just kind of like, <laughs> like as much as I want my parents to be on the same page as me, um, I think I just want to be, <laughs> I think being realistic about what they're willing to do has definitely saved my, <laughs> my like emotional well-being a lot. Um, and, you know, I think, let's say your parents are not providing you like the emotional support that you need. I think it's okay to get those needs fulfilled in other ways. Um, I mean, you're human, right? So I don't think it's weird to want that. Um, so like, let's say you have a really close best friend or like really good friends who are there for you, who want to listen to you, you know, or communities like, like this, like ambassadors. Like I think finding communities like guys also another way to kind of get in like, like those emotional needs for yourself, um, you know, just having like that positive energy around. Like, I think there's other ways to do it. Too. So, yeah, I just wanted to like, that's how, that's what's helped me kind of like uh, navigate my relationship with my parents whenever I know that it, that there's a lot of limitations to it. <laughs> and um, Brittany, did you just want to add something real quick? Yeah, just something real quick um, that we talk about boundaries and stuff. Um, I know for me, sometimes um, those boundaries kind of exceed, you know, my mom and like to my grandparent, my grandma, because um, I, I can see how I've seen how like my mom has to put boundaries with my grandmother when it comes to her life and her relationships and stuff like that. And I see how that can kind of like they butt heads a lot, you know, because my grandma wants to be so involved and stuff. And so I have to me personally. 
I think that's why it's um it's easy to talk to my mom now because she kind of understands that she doesn't want it to be like that. She doesn't want to be like my grandma, like when it comes to us and her kids. And I think that's kind of uh, why she scaled back as far as like wanting to know information about us or wanting to be all in her our business. Um, but I kind of wish, you know, she still, you know, wanted to know things, but she only wants to know us. We tell her. And so um, I just really just lost my train of thought here. I feel like I'm going off topic. <laughs> no, but I think to um, just creating those boundaries with parents, you want to be respectful but you also want to live your own life as well. And I think when you incorporate, you know, a partner, a significant other in the mix, it's kind of like, you know, you and your significant uh, partner, y'all are together, y'all are a family now, but it's like, you still want to respect your parents as well because they brought you into this world, you know? And so it's just, I can see sometimes that that's still, that's an issue still with a lot of relationships. it's just that dynamic of balancing your your parents and the need of your significant other as well. It, it can create some a lot of indifference. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how that would go. But I feel like my mom, she's not the type of person that would be all in my relationships either because she's just not like that with my brother. So I feel like it probably won't be as bad, but you know, I don't know, things may change. Yeah, thank you for sharing such a valuable perspective. And Haley, do you want to add? I just wanted to add something really quickly to kind of like wrap up our conversation about boundaries. And it's something I heard the other day that I really resonated with. Um, And basically what this person was saying is that a boundary is for you and not the other person. A lot of the times we like to think about boundaries as something we're setting that says, you know, don't cross this. And if you do, um, there's consequences. And really that that is what we're saying. Um, but a boundary is for you and not the other person. You can't control if someone else crosses your boundary, but you can acknowledge that the boundary was crossed, hold space for the feelings that come up as a result, and then decide if you even need to have a boundary with that person at all, or if it's time to step back and not let the boundary be crossed again. So it's something you have to monitor for yourself. Um, and really it's it's a way that we respect our feelings and we hold space for our feelings. Um, and we decide if we can let someone cross the boundary repeatedly um, and still be okay. And so I guess it's also a matter of prioritizing your own mental health um, and how you know those boundaries and people crossing those boundaries can affect it. Yes, I love that Um, because it really emphasizes like the importance of like putting yourself first before anything else, (laughs) Um, which is something that kind of once you do that, like I feel like that will ultimately benefit all of your relationships. Um, Yeah, uh, Courtney, do you want to add some? Okay, (laughs) okay. yeah, and I, I think, yeah, it's, like we all said, it's very important to just um, tie back to the question just real quick. Um, taking charge and responsibility for your own emotional well-being, whatever that looks like for you. Um, personally, like, I really like to, uh, uh, like, listen to podcasts or something like that to um, kind of navigate these types of relationships. <laughs> um, have you all used something similar? <laughs> you listen to podcasts or podcasts? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> podcasts only podcasts here we don't we don't talk about other podcasts here <laughs> right. you're right you're right i don't even know any other podcasts <laughs> anyway sorry 
Okay, so I just want to touch really briefly on this question because um, I'm curious, which of your parents do you feel more comfortable with, like talking about private stuff and why? Um, so, uh, Haley, what do, you, what do you think? So this has changed for me over my life. I feel like usually, you know, and just from what I've heard and what other people have shared, they usually have one person that they feel, or one parent that they feel comfortable sharing with, right? And the other... Uh, maybe not so much, or maybe you feel comfortable sharing with both or neither, but usually we have one that we feel more comfortable with, right? For me, that's changed a lot. Um, so growing up, I always felt more comfortable sharing with my mom um, because, and this does come from a toxic, you know, dynamic, but my mom was shared everything with me. I mean, I knew about my parents' personal relationship. I knew about what was going on. I knew everything that was going on in their relationship from the time that I could comprehend anything. So I always knew everything that was going on. There was nothing hidden from me. There was nothing that was scaled back for me. Um, I was very much in the situation and very cognizant of it, um, which was very toxic for me and difficult for me to navigate um, as a child. But I think for me, um, you know, I will say I felt more comfortable with my mother as a child because I didn't understand why she was doing that, why she was confiding in me what the underlying, um, you know, problems were with that. And then as I got older, as I moved out of her house and was able to separate myself from the situation and from the relationship, I realized um, how bad that was for my mental health being always clued in um, on my mom's personal and private matters. And so I stopped sharing mine with my mother. And then as my dad came back into the picture, um, and understood my mom's dynamic and her dynamic in all of the family relationships, I was able to confide more in my dad, which I had never done before. And so this is kind of changing for me right now. Um, and, and it's shifting. And I think that, you know, this is a good thing for me because it's me, it, it's kind of putting in, me in a position to be able to share with both of my parents and then also have them share with me. So now I'm not getting a skewed message Right. Because I feel like sometimes if we're all, always communicating or confiding in one of our parents, we lose the other parent's perspective and we, we lose um, kind of that close bond that allows us to share. Um, and I, I feel like this is definitely prevalent in my life currently. Yeah, it does. I'm so glad you brought all of that up. That's so important. Thank you. Uh, what do you think, Reza? About private stuff, definitely my mom. Um, I think the age gap, because my dad is 30 years older than me. She's not 30. It would be crazy. I'm 28. My dad is 30. Imagine. That's not possible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, he's like 58. My mom is 48. He's always been 30 years older than me. I think that's the main one of the reasons. The other reason is my mom is a bit more open-minded. So, not only in terms of age, she's closer to me. In terms of culture, she's closer to me, too. And she's quicker to change opinions and lean towards mine so I feel more comfortable um so yeah I, I talk about her definitely more in terms of my private matters that's a, that's a, that's interesting awesome thank you uh Brittany what do you think um it's just my mom um I wasn't able to have a connection like that with my dad you know and so since he's not no longer here um it's just really my mom right yeah uh thank you <laughs> And I just want to briefly add on to this. Um, I will say, um, 
personally for me, I do feel more comfortable talking to my dad about stuff like that, but it's just a lot harder for me to, <laughs> because um, he's just a bit more strict. But, but like at the end of the day, I think I feel more comfortable because um, he's just more, he's just, he's a better listener. Like he tries, to, he, he's the type of person who tries to understand things from my perspective sometimes, like with private matters at least, like not like, you know, like broad things. But he's definitely somebody I can talk to you about like a lot of important topics, I will say. Like, like we can talk about politics or we can talk about like philosophy or we can talk about like just important things like religion or whatever. Like we can talk about those things, like and have an open conversation about it. And it's nice to like, we both have that desire to like learn about things like that um and i guess like with like more private like dating and stuff like that like at the end of the day i would i would feel more comfortable even though it'd be a lot harder for me <laughs> like, uh, um like with my mom i though i will say i tend to tell her more private stuff just because she's there and <laughs> because I, it's just it's just easy to like just say what's on my mind but I don't really expect her to like listen if that makes sense <laughs> what do you uh what do you think Haley? I was just gonna say I really align with your experience in that way like I said my mom was kind of like my go-to for most of my life but um I didn't have that active listening component with my mom either and my dad wasn't present so they're really she was really my only um you know, contact for most of my life. But when my dad did sober up and he was clean and he was more present in the household, he was also um, like really working towards bettering himself, um, focusing on his mental health, his physical health and trying to recover. You know, he's still in recovery and he always will be. Um, And I think him being in tune with that and constantly taking steps every day to self-reflect and to get better. um, This is just sadly something that my mom doesn't really do and and that might sound harsh but um you know she's not really focused on bettering herself and you know trying to understand how her actions might have effects on other people or or anything like that she really doesn't have um a very you know cognizant awareness of that and so I think my dad getting that awareness gave me so much more freedom to talk to him and to know that if I was talking to him he was a gonna listen and be he would be able to have a conversation that wasn't opinionized, that didn't criticize, that was very open, um, very honest, had good communication on both sides. Whereas with my mom, it's very much like I might tell her something um, really personal. And instead of like actively listening to it and maybe giving me um, her opinion or, or, you know, just advice about it, she will automatically like either not listen to listen to it because she's not interested or she'll just pull her own personal experience and not talk about mine if that makes sense it'll trigger something for her like an experience that she's having or something she's going through and then it's like I didn't even say it and suddenly we're talking about um my mom and that's kind of a loop for me and so I've kind of transitioned away from talking to my mom about these things And it's also causing a lot of problems in that relationship because my mom's aware that I'm not talking to her about those things anymore um, and that I'm talking to my dad. And so that's I'm seeing that even cause problems in my parents' relationship with one another. And so that dynamic, you know, I could talk about that for um, a while longer, but I'm seeing that come up and I'm seeing how my communication with my parents is affecting, you know, 
my relationship with both of them and their relationship with one another. I I actually I agree with you on a lot of that. Like with my, from my own personal experience, like I, <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think um, I think we'll just go ahead and wrap up with one more question. That's okay. Okay. So, um, what is something that you appreciate about your relationship with your parents, or what are like some positive things you've seen in other people's relationship with their parents? Um, what do you think, Brittany? I think um, for me, um, it's just having that open communication to certain things that we never talked about before. Um, I think those conversations really didn't happen until I got older and in college and started learning, you know, about mental health and things like that. And just being able to talk to her, you know, about certain situations like that and um, how that relates, you know, to our own family and ways we can go about, you know, communicating with others in our family um, when we're dealing with difficult situations. Yes, definitely. Uh, what, what do you think, Reza? Um, in terms of what I appreciate in my relation with the parents is mostly in terms of intellectual conversations. Um, just as an example is, so I grew up in a religious family, especially my dad. But then as his approach towards religion been modified over the years, has mine, especially coming to a more open-minded environment with like a pot of ideas, um, so we have these conversations about, and he asks me how things are done. Like he, the other day he was asking me, actually it was funny, it's really this topic. He was asking me, hey, like I saw this movie, this this child just had an argue with his parents and his his parent left the house instead of instead of him leaving the house. Like, you know, they went, in, they got into an argument and the parents left the, the house temporarily, of course. He was like, was this real? Like, is it really how it happens there? But Overall, we can talk about, even sometimes we don't agree on certain things. Uh, for example, he really likes me to always hangs out with a certain group of people. But if that's not what I believe in, I can tell him that's not how I think. And we don't fight over it. We we talk about it. We, and we agree not to disagree. I think that's really, like, the, the, he always tells me, I don't want to force you to do this. And that kind of diffuses everything for me. Once he says that, it takes the pressure off. Because I know I can disagree now. And there's no consequence for that. And so that's that's the biggest appreciation point for, for me and my parents in terms of conversations. Again, it's more conversation because we're far. Yeah, I will say that's something that, that that's so valuable, like being able to uh, voice your opinions or your views and like your parents not like shut it down, like they're open-minded to your, um, your views. That's so important. Like that's such a good quality to <laughs> have. Um, what are your thoughts, Kaylee? I was just going to say, too, I really think, like Jalissa was saying, that it's so important to be able to disagree with your parents and know that after you disagree or you say something that might be controversial, you're not going to be shunned or, like, less loved by your parents because you say something that they, you know that they might not agree with. I think that is at the root of so many problems that people have with their parents, especially having generational gaps, different political views, different views on how, um, you know, 
you're supposed to be living your life, what religion you're supposed to be following, the people you're supposed to be hanging out with, the um, you know things you're supposed to be doing in your day-to-day life, your financial situation. There's so many different you know ways that you might differ from your parents, and I think knowing that you're going to be unconditionally loved no matter what you know lifestyle you choose to live or um, you know beliefs you choose to follow. Um, I think that's at the root of so many healthy relationships with your parents. And if you differ from your parents and your parents can't accept that, um, or, you know, people feel shunned for, um, you know, telling their parents what they actually believe or think, um, if that's shut down, it really limits, um, you know, how much of a relationship you're going to have with your parents or how healthy that relationship's going to be. Yes, definitely. I agree with you 100%. And um, I'll just I'll just add my input real quick. Um, I will say something I really appreciate is I feel like um, my parents like they just have like this strong care for me like that I can see in their own way that I really appreciate. For example, like every day they'll ask me like if I've eaten or something like that. Like <laughs> it's just little things like that. Um, like they show their love in their own ways, kind of thing, which I really appreciate. I guess. And I will say with my dad, like, although he's been very strict with me and stuff, like, I will say I definitely, and he doesn't really understand half of the stuff I'm doing in school or anything, but I will say I appreciate how supportive he has always been for me. Like, he's always pushed me to, like, give the best of myself or reach for my highest potential. Even, you know, he knows that he didn't have those opportunities, but, but, you know, he came here for a reason. To this country and you know he he knows that I do have the opportunity to to reach my dreams and stuff so you know even though he doesn't really understand what I'm doing I do appreciate his support 100% because that's definitely been a big uh, motivation for me to like keep going and stuff <laughs> um, but yeah so would anyone like to add anything I just want to say oh <laughs> that's what, go ahead <laughs> I was just going to say you have me in tears over here. That was very, very awesome to hear about your relationship with your dad. And I think it, it's kind of hitting home for me, too, because, like, I really wish that that was something I had with my parents, like that recognition. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's so awesome that y'all have that. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. <laughs> And Reza, did you want to add something? Um, yeah, yeah. So basically what I want to say was, I first of all, I really am overwhelmed by how openly you guys talk about everything, which was, and I, I did too, I think, which which is very promising and I really enjoyed it. But I wish there was a way I could access your children and ask the same questions. See what they say. <laughs> or show them this. Or give them the link to Spotify. I'm sure Spotify will exist at that point. <laughs> I will say, I feel like we created a pretty good safe space. And I'm so proud of us for doing that. Because, I mean, disclaimer for everyone that's going to be listening to this. We haven't really got to be in the same room with one another. Um, COVID has thrown a wrench in a lot of our plans. And um, so I feel like you know, the fact that we were able to do that is really awesome and really important. And I think that makes also, if we're tying it back to our conversation for today, creating that safe space where you can communicate with anyone, um, whether it be, you know, other people that you're 
in you know friendships with or your parents or whatever that might be creating that safe space where you're allowed to share is so vital yeah i completely agree <laughs> and what uh Raja, what you were saying but that's such, that's such an interesting like concept have you heard of like inner child work i think that basically works with like getting in touch with like your younger self and like working from there <laughs> inner child i can i might know what it is but how does it relate to the real children real children like actually yeah like i have this book let me show you <laughs> <laughs> it's called inner bonding where it's like exercises made by a clinical psychologist and like it's just like healing your like inner child kind of to basically work on because when you when you heal your inner child like that'll translate to like adult self or something i don't know anyway it's definitely a concept so if you're interested you know you can look into it it's it's, it's cool book of the day it's again <laughs> represent <laughs> the book of the day <laughs> okay my, like... my book sorry okay my book recommendation for y'all for this podcast is the inner bonding workbook six steps to healing yourself and connecting with your divine guidance <laughs> Look it up. It's on Amazon. <laughs> Sorry, I think we need. I think we need a book of like the week. Every time we, well, I guess it'll be of the month. But we need to have a book like centered around our podcast. Everybody's got to read it beforehand. We're gonna elaborate on it, and everyone's gonna go buy it and hopefully read it too. I'm over here trying to heal that inner child too. I got my own, got my own stack of books over there. So. Agreed. <laughs> I feel like we're connecting so much right now. <laughs> Brittany, what, uh, would you want to elaborate on? Oh, no. Since we're talking about resources and stuff, I just wanted to say a disclaimer. We are not professionals. So we're just, you know, using reliable uh, sources to help spread the valuable info. You know, just to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And like, <laughs> if, if y'all are needing more resources caps this is our this is our you know way to promote caps here like if you're needing to talk to someone if this you know podcast made you think about your relationship with your parents and you want insight on that or just want someone to listen to you um schedule an appointment with caps you know just just you know scheduling an appointment doesn't you know mean a long-term commitment um but it does give you the opportunity to um, kind of talk about what what maybe came up for you in this in this episode and elaborate on it in a safe space. Yeah, definitely. And Caps is great. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was a very great first episode. Um, stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be sometime soon. <laughs> but other than that, I think we can. Uh, end this meeting. <laughs>